How's it, guys? Welcome back for another episode. You're here with me, Nick. And today I'm joined by two of the Rugby Punted crew. Belinda is here and Ronnie is also here as always. Hey, guys. Yeah, Belinda, it's nice to have you on here. And finally, I can give you a bit of trouble for not giving Nick as much trouble last time you were on. You are very nice to him last time. <laughs> Ronnie's been moaning about that for weeks on yeah, it. Yeah, no one calls you out because, uh, yeah, that was unacceptable for me, Belinda. Sorry. Sorry, Ronnie. I'll try and do better this time. Apologies. <laughs> Listen here, guys. This sounds like a little bit of ganging up going on there. I'm, so, I'm up for that this evening. Yeah, so it was a lacquer weekend. The last weekend we've gone or going to have for quite a while without any rugby on. So a lot of us did some chilling. I was through in Hearties again. Um, they had some Afrikaans music festival on there. It was unbelievably loud. It sounded like Jack Parra was playing in the living room. So <laughs> that was quite an experience. What did you get up to this weekend, Belinda? I had an epic weekend, actually. I had my own version of a Rugby World Cup send-off that started on Thursday and only ended on Sunday. I went to a different gig every night. So I'm also a little bit deaf in my left ear, but it's fine. I'm going to bounce back before I get to France. <laughs> but there also was rugby. I watched the Cheetahs Western Force game and it was actually pretty cool. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. And Nick's, Nick's very much uh, dropped the ball on that one. Yes, 250,000 rand a game on the line with each of those games. And the Cheetahs got a second win, if I'm correct, eh? They did. They did. Well, I've just been caught out. I did, clearly didn't watch that game this weekend. <laughs> I was fully immersing and myself. I forgot in, about it too. It just came on. I was immersing myself in a little bit of time off before we cover the Rugby World Cup, which is going to be lacquer. On Sunday, though, I did an Instagram live with Max over from the black jersey and lacquer at Scrumbags. It was quite a good laugh. A lot of picking on England. So sorry to the, any of the English fans that tuned in for that. Yeah, one. <laughs> you guys really, really let the English fans hear it, which yeah. was uh, tough for an English fan and good for everybody else. But also a bit of a was... shout out to Janina Uberholzer. She tuned in yeah. and she joined in on the live awesome. show from Talks and Chops, as well as Ricky January, which was quite cool. The yeah, Springbok cool. scrum half that broke New Zealand hearts. <laughs> yeah, so pretty good weekend. Yeah, well, before we head over and focus on the World Cup, we're proud to announce that this episode is brought to you in conjunction with Fantasy Go. If you want to get involved in the Rugby World Cup action, check out Fantasy Go, a South African-based fantasy sports platform. They're putting up over 100,000 rand in cash prizes during the World Cup in a host of fantasy contests. 100,000 rand? Yes, my friend. That's a one with five zeros. Put your rugby knowledge to the test and use your budget to pick your fantasy team of 15 players that you think will score the most points each round. And you could win thousands of rounds. Tell your friends to get involved too, because the more people that enter, the bigger the prize pools grow. Sign up on fantasygo.io today. Just another thing, Belinda, and I can beat you in here. Okay, let's not, let's not go down this road. Let's go straight into what we're here to discuss. <laughs> yeah, his fantasy league's not going so well. Noah's is his super brew at the moment, Belinda. This is ridiculous. And I beat you I beat at Superbrew last time. Yeah, no, of course. Always, it's very easy to beat Nick, and I'm, I'm sure that's exactly who you were pointing that to. But let's just cl clarify. I beat Nick 99 out of 100 times. The one time he beats me, he won't let me get the end of it. Yeah, well, Ronnie, I'm not so sure you've ever beat me. But I know Belinda has beaten the both of us. If Nick, if Nick was a <laughs> Superbrew, a rugby team, he would be England. <laughs> that is... Sorry, Nick, what? Ronnie and I might be on the same page today. <laughs> this is unbelievable, guys. That's probably the biggest insult you can get in rugby. 
Yeah, shame we're really not showing any love to the English, hey. I don't think it's going to get any better when we when we move on to then the game against Argentina. But just a bit of a cool thing I thought I'd point out to the listeners, and I'm sure Belinda knows that I'm not so sure about Ronnie. But did you guys know that they use the same whistle at every Rugby World Cup to kick off the tournament? Yes. You did? Yes. Did you know that? Gee, Belinda's that? nodding. Everybody knows this except you. Like, Nick is also <laughs> one of those guys that didn't know that when you mark a ball in the 22, it has to be off a clean catch. Like, how does he not know this? Okay, since you turned to know that, which World Cup was it not used in? 87. Belinda? I don't know. I'm going to own, I don't know. Really? 2015 World Cup, the English and World Cup. Because it was in England, they ruined it. There we go. Another point for the English. (laughs) Okay, that's very cool. Yeah. So it wasn't used there. But it's quite cool because a guy by the name of Ron Rutland has been cycling 20,000 kilometers with the whistle in order to raise money for charity. And he'll be cycling into the stadium on, on Friday evening and handing the whistle to Yaku Paper to start the tournament. Another thing, though, did you guys know that the same coin has been used in every coin toss to open the World Cup? No, no. I didn't know that. I feel like we're starting this with like a chappy, did you know, vibe. <laughs> <laughs> you are, come on, prophet South African vibe from the chappies. So the original coin flip was in 1924 in a game between New Zealand and England, and the referee didn't have a coin. So a guy in the crowd by the name of DG Gray gave the referee the coin, and that coin has been used to do the coin toss in the first fixture of every World Cup. Oh, okay. It's cool. Some special traditions in a special sport, eh? Very much so. Kicking the World Cup off, guys. It's going to be a massive one on Friday night. Belinda, you're going to be in France. It's going to be an electric environment. A couple of guys have written into the page to ask, you know, how do you pick this one on Superbrew? So let's dive into that game. Belinda, what are your initial thoughts for All Blacks versus France, the hosts of the World Cup? Sure. Probably the hardest pick of the whole weekend. So like under Hansen, I would have definitely said France were in trouble because after a beating like they took against us, the All Blacks would be bouncing back for sure. And so I think I'm still going to back them. Yeah, I think I'm going to back them to bounce back. It's not as guaranteed as it would have been in the past, but I have confidence in them. I absolutely agree with Belinda. Right, so we know who the All Blacks are. They've been dominant for the last 20 years plus. And uh, if you write them off, it's such a peril. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think you guys are right. You know, it's not often that the All Blacks lose back-to-back tests, and especially not in the fashion they lost us. You know, they'll they'll be very upset with what went on there. It is an interesting one, though, because there's been so many injury withdrawals from the French camp. The All Blacks are also suffering. Yeah. So you've got there, you know, Intermac is lost to the French for the entirety of the World Cup. Cyril Bai won't yeah. be available for this test. He'll only be able to play later on. They've now lost Jonathan Dante at inside centre. Paul Willemse. Paul Willemse is another one. Mm. South Africans ruled out of the World yeah. Cup. Yeah. And that 1912 axis that they've been building under the last four years under Galtier is suddenly dissipated. You've got to punt, you can insert Fiku, um, but, but that cohesion really is gone, especially now in the light of Dante disappearing. So surprise, surprise, who are you backing here, right? French or the All Blacks, actually, because in the lead up to this episode, we said, well, it would be quite funny if we each picked someone else. But are you alluding to the All Blacks? 
I definitely think the All Blacks are going to take it based on the fact that them losing two in a row would be big. I also don't know how France are going to going to handle the home crowd pressure. It's a massive occasion. 2007, they did the same against Los Pumas and ended up losing to Los Pumas in the opener. I was just going to say, I mean, I think it's an incredibly strong side, French side, even with the players that they've lost. But some of those players are really like talismanic for them, especially like Intermark. They they are going to they are going to be a little bit at sea without him, and the home crowd pressures can go either way. Like that home crowd advantage can be amazing, but it can also be like just too much on that big of a stage. I think it's going to be tight, but I, I'm back in the All Blacks. You have to definitely, and I agree. Two games lost back to back for All Blacks. I mean, it's virtually unheard of. The All Blacks are hurting. They've got a lot of experience there too as well. People are going to say, listen, Oaks, we've had two weeks now since a very devastating loss against Springboks. Let's rally. Let's focus. Let's, well, let's, let's target that first game because, you know, we, we've said it before. Whoever wins this first game tops the pool. So they've got to put all their eggs in the basket for this one. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you've also got to consider it now, like Belinda said, you know, that home crowd. It really can go two ways. And very often you've seen the All Blacks come from nowhere, score one try, score mm. two tries. And if they do that against the French, that crowd is going to turn. Then it really has the potential to be difficult for France to mount a fight back. That being said, the inverse could be true. France could come out the blocks. Mm. DuPont could do something ridiculous. And then that home crowd could be a yeah. massive advantage to them. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we've seen the French teams string together very, very strong combinations throughout their team. but. They haven't put a, in my opinion, they haven't put a, a first choice 15 or first choice 23 together yet, right? So they've still experimented here and tried to uh, with new combinations, new players and new positions. But this is the this is one that they are going to target. So you're absolutely right. They could channel that home ground uh, advantage and walk over the All Blacks, but I don't, I don't think it's unlikely in my book. You know, we've mentioned all the injuries in the French camp, but now you've also got to look at the All Blacks. They don't have Shannon Frizzell for this one. Brody Retallick is still out. Tyrell Lomax also ruled out. And now Geordie Barrett may not be able to play this weekend. So it's also a huge loss yeah. of personnel. And they don't really have the most solid backup at 12 to replace Geordie. Absolutely. So we all Can agree. Can we pick a draw? <laughs> Imagine. Imagine, actually, Belinda. That would be unreal. That would actually be the ideal start because that, that opens up every game in the rest of that pool. I haven't even thought of that possibility, and I think that that honestly would be the best result for me in the first week. (laughs) Send out some good vibes. (laughs) Unbelievable. Okay, so if we're not going for the draw, we're all agreeing that all Blacks are going to win. Let's help out the listeners and say, by how many points, Belinda? Three is my go-to. When I don't know, I just say three. That's it. I suck at the points margin on (laughs) Superbrew. Ronald? By two. By two. <laughs> Three was already taken. Well, then I'm going to go All Blacks by five. <laughs> okay, so not a, so we all agree. It's like if, if when the All Blacks win, or whoever wins, it's not going to be a, by a large margin. For sure. Yeah. No, and I think, I, the think most, so. I think the most crucial thing for the All Blacks to get right in this test is their discipline. Because if they don't mm. get that right, Thomas Ramos is going to annihilate them through the sticks. Sure. Yeah. Should we move on to the I next I think they game? hopefully learned a lesson in the last game. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. go on to the next one. Hopefully. 
So moving on to the next game that's on Saturday now. Saturday is going to be an action-packed one. We have Italy facing Namibia. What are we predicting for that game, Ronald? Yeah, so I think when I was setting up my fantasy team, right, we were discussing this is one of the games I'd like to target because I think Italy are going to absolutely decimate Namibia. Namibia, as much as we mm-hmm. love them, they're our neighbours and we want them to do really well. This is just unfortunate. Yeah. You know, they recently lost to the Blue Bulls, which I'm not sure if you've heard uh, the Bulls lost to the Griffins yeah. not too long ago. So Italy are going to absolutely decimate Namibia. They're also going to target that to get maximum points if they want to, you know, cause an upset in Pool A. Yeah, I think you're, you're onto something there, especially that loss to the Bulls is definitely going to weigh everyone against Namibia in this fixture. Belinda, what are you thinking for this game? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be Italy. Like, as, as Ronnie says, we want to love Namibia. They are our neighbours. They're a very likable team, but no, they just, <laughs> I just don't think they can, they can compete with Italy. And, and Italy isn't the like desperate underdog that they used to be. You know, they've got some really incredible rising young talent in the team. They've been pulling off some impressive performances. Yeah, I don't think Namibia stands much of a chance. Bless them. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's right. <laughs> Namibia's, Namibia's up against it in this one. And, you know, Matt Proudfoot coaching their forwards, Alistair Kutsia coaching the team overall. So there is some talent in the coaching box, but I think it's just a bit too much of an ask for Namibia. I mean, you look over then at the Italians and they've really, like you said, you know, they're not the desperate team that they used to be. Mm. We're looking at an Italian team now with the likes of Capuazzo, who is lethal from fullback. Strong Mm. wingers, they've got a good fly half, a pack that's up to it, you know, so... Italy really, really could rack up one hell of a score in this game. Look, I'm going to regret that, bless them, if Namibia pulls off an upset. I'm, <laughs> it's going to come back to haunt me. But, but, but I'll stand by it. Yeah. Well, look, agreed. Namibia haven't won a game yet in the World Cup. We really want them to win it. So let's hope. I think this is it. This, year. This, is, this, is, this is their year. Yeah, they'll need to rack up a win there against the Uruguayans. If they wanted to overturn that record, I think that's their best shot. So we're saying Italy, unanimous yet again. Can you believe it? But right. Italy by what? 24 points. 24. Ronald, don't tell me 23. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I, I'm actually, I look, I think Italy, well, you know, they warmed up, they're rearing to go. They're going to give it stick. Yeah, Italy by 30. I'm going to go even higher. Oh, Italy okay. by 38. Because I think if Italy wants to make an impression in this pool, they really have to, to ramp up games against Uruguay and Namibia and hope that they can take either a France or New Zealand. That's their only hope in this World Cup. That would be magical. Yeah, that really would be. Would be. Then over to also an interesting game. And unfortunately, I think the hardest done team in the entire tournament, we have Ireland versus Romania. And when I say the hardest done team, I'm talking about the Romanians. Because Mm. they're in a pool with Scotland, South Africa, Ireland, and Tonga. Guys, what are we predicting? I'll, I'll give my view on this game first. So Sexton likely to run out of fly half in his first game back post ban. We've done a lot of coverage. I think everyone knows our thoughts on that incident, but he's going to be in desperate need of some game time. And Ireland are very fortunate that this is their first hit out in the World Cup. You know, they can ease into it, 
get a win, get a bit of momentum, get Sexton back out on the park. Uh, I'm obviously predicting an, an island win, although I will be screaming my lungs out for Romania. It's it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough ask, and I mean Romania only in their last game faced off with Georgia, and they lost fifty six six to the Georgians. So yeah, tough day out for Romania this Saturday, I think. Well, I mean, let's also remember that Romania didn't initially qualify for the World Cup. They only got in because Spain was disqualified. So that makes it even harder for them to be in the flipping pool of death. Like, how unfortunate can you be? Fortunate to get in, I suppose, at someone else's expense, but unfortunate to be in this pool. So, yes, I would agree. There's, that's obviously Ireland. Like, that would be the upset to end all upsets. So I think it has to be Ireland. <laughs> well, well, look, you know, we often call these games like an island Romania. We say we usually expect to blow out. It tends to go the other way, right? It doesn't tend to, it tends to be a lot closer than we expect. These teams, Ireland's going to go out there thinking they're going to absolutely decimate Romania. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be a bit bold here and say Ireland are only going to win by less than 14 points. By less than 14. That's unreal, Ronnie. That's a bold prediction. Plus, I do agree sometimes these matches get a bit loose and the points don't come. I don't see Romania holding Ireland's Ireland back, especially with Sexton at the home. Bit of a ridiculous statement, but I'm going to say it out there. When I get proven right, I'm going to say, I'm going to message both of you out. Oh, geez. Yeah, well, let's be honest. If Ronnie's proven right, there's not going to be a podcast next week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in France. I won't care what any of you guys are doing, so it's fine. <laughs> Switch on your roaming so that I can message you and say, I told you so. Absolutely. What is your prediction then for this one? Ireland by how much? Don't think it's going to be like ridiculous. They, it depends what team they put out. I mean, it's not as if they had a massive win against, was it Samoa, Samoa they were playing last weekend? Like everyone expected a blowout there and it wasn't. So yeah, I also don't think it'll be within 14. I'm going to say like Ireland by 18. Yes. See, and here's Nick going for the ridiculous pick again. I'm saying Ireland by 50 plus. Oh, okay. Look, I mean, that agrees with what Belinda said. You're probably Romania, right. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Romania came in by, you know, hook or by crook or whatever way they came in. Spain didn't qualify. They got relegated. So they made it in. Yeah, probably right. But you know what? We don't want you to be right. Come on, Romania. You know, my <laughs> thinking on it is just that I think Ireland-Romania is going to be the highest scoring game of the World Cup because... I think when the Springboks face Romania, we're going to do a lot of squad rotation. Ireland yeah, are sure. using this game more to tune up. You know, they've got their Premier 10 back. They're going to try and, and really work this game to build a bit of momentum. So that's why I'm saying it's going to be a tough day out for Romania. And I, I do feel for them, but I will be shouting mm. for them. But if they don't talk uh, yeah. a, a second string, if you will, a second, if they don't use a second string team against Romania, which game are they going to use their second string team against? Yeah. Because Tonga is a banana peel. Scotland's going to be tough. South Africa's going to be tough. I don't have to play their fringe players at some point. Yes, no, I 100% agree with you, but they're in a bit of a position where some of their premier players need the game time as well. You can't make Sexton come in against Tonga as his first game. That guy will... Won't he, had, do that. he had a little, like, practice match. Behind closed doors. <laughs> okay, Remember, according to Ireland, that was not a game. 
<laughs> it wasn't a real game. It was all a figment of our imagination. It was a shadow session with three halves. Yeah. Okay. So then we're moving on to one of the most interesting games of the weekend for me, because for me, it looks like the first potential upset in the World Cup. Mm. We have the Wallabies facing off with Georgia. And let's be honest, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Georgia gets an upset here. So Belinda, kick it off. What are your thoughts on this one? So this would probably be the only game where I would, with my heart, back a Northern Hemisphere team over a Southern Hemisphere team because I love Georgia. I really love them. I like, I have such a soft spot for them. And obviously Australia. Anyway, um, so look, Eddie Jones's team losing a sixth game in the row would be simultaneously highly entertaining and very unfortunate and very unlikely. But I'd like to back Georgia in this one. I'm going to say Georgia by like two points. (laughs) Your bold prediction. Would be great to see Eddie Jones throw another uppercut comment out there after a sip loss. Ronnie, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I agree. Georgia is also, I've got a soft spot in my heart, especially after Mamuka Kokota won man of the match against the Kiwis many years ago. So, yeah, I would like to back Georgia. I can't really, I don't know what the Wallabies bring because we simply do not know what we have in there. We know what we have in Eddie Jones and that's unpredictability, but we don't know what this team brings that he's selected, the squad that he has. It's, you know, there's no Hooper, there's no Cooper. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of this, but I think it's, it's I think the Wallabies will take this one. It's not going to be convincing. It's going to be Wallabies by less than 10 points. Uh, it'll be very close. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very, very close fixture. And we can't forget that Georgia managed to rack up wins against Italy and Wales. So they have been building and growing as a side quite nicely and getting quite competitive. And I think, you know, the Wallabies with Carter Gordon, he's still a very, very young 10. If the Georgian forwards can get under his skin and rattle him, that he's not setting up the the big Wallabies runners in that back line, the Kurundranis and Karevis and so on, you could potentially see a Georgia win as predicted by Belinda. I, though, am going to land on the side of the Wallabies. I think Eddie Jones has threatened the hell out of those players, and they're going to going to pick it up again, predicting a Wallabies win by 11. 11. Okay, fair enough. He did so say that actually they're keeping secrets, and we haven't seen anything yet. So it could be a whole new team at the World Cup. Listen, if Tanele Tupo told me he was keeping a secret, that man's so big, I'd believe anything that came out of his butt. <laughs> Look, the one thing we can all agree on when it comes to the Wallabies in the last five test matches is we haven't seen anything. So they haven't shown us anything. We have to hope that they are keeping something at bay. We Guys, then the game that's everyone against England is Los Pumas face the English on Saturday evening. It's a hell of a clash. Los Pumas coming into the tournament with a bit of form, a good head of steam. England looking in absolute shambles. Ronnie, what are we predicting for this one? Yeah, so I'm going to back the Argentinians outright. I think uh, Argentinian Southern Hemisphere dominance. Yes, let's go, boys. England, they are, they are, they've just been obviously struggling now for a a long time. And Steve Borthwick, uh, he's just run out of excuses. And I feel very sorry for them. I do hope that they can turn the ship around at some point, maybe after the World Cup, hopefully. But yeah, this is this is Argentina's one to to lose, I think. So Argentina by twelve. 
Argentina by 12 is definitely an interesting call there, Ronnie. You're right, England are a mess. We've spoken a lot about it. Belinda, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, so obviously I'm supporting Argentina, not only because they're the Southern Hemisphere, but also I promised someone from work that who is from Argentina that I would back her team. So I'm still looking for a top that even looks like an Argentina top because I'll be in Marseille for that weekend. I'm definitely backing them. You know my theory without being too like long-winded about it. Happy teams are winning teams. That's always my theory. And England just looks like they're miserable. Something is up. They don't know what they're doing. They're at sixes and sevens. Even some of their senior players have been tweeting like really negatively like about fans writing them off and all of that kind of thing, which I'm trying to imagine any of our players ever doing and, and it being acceptable. But that's a whole separate conversation. So there just seems like a lot of negativity in camp. And obviously, the more you keep losing, the more that negativity is going to grow. It's not the best way to be going into a World Cup. Maybe they can turn it around. But yeah, I'm definitely backing Argentina. And I'm going to say Argentina by nine. There we go. I think that's not a bad prediction. Buffelli kicking so comprehensively for, for the Argentinians. If it comes down to a bit of a penalty contest, we know that he's going to slot them over and get them going. England will be up without captain Owen Farrell. It'll be interesting to see if Borthwick backs either George Ford or Marcus Smith in the 10 jersey. Mm. You know, Courtney Laws is a player I really do admire. I think he's a phenomenal rugby player. He's been handed the captaincy now. And to be honest, I feel bad for the man. He's in a team that is struggling, as you've said. The England camp does look very unhappy. We spoke last week about them celebrating the silly moments. You know, one penalty mm. here and skew line out there and they're celebrating like they've won the World Cup. And, you know, that's a team to me that looks like it's celebrating individual moments and not the collective. And I agree with you, Belinda. Happy team is a winning team and England just don't seem that. I also think it's going to be about a 10-point victory for Argentina and go try a converted try and a penalty to win it. And yeah, kicking off a, a dismal pool for England is what I'm predicting. For sure. Guys... That wraps up Saturday's rugby. Four great games coming on there, which is going to be awesome to look forward to. Then we move over to Sunday. And Sunday, we start with Japan versus Chile. Also a difficult one to predict. Japan haven't really shown us much ahead of the World Cup. They don't seem to be the team that they were in 2019. You know, Michael Leach coming out and saying they are there to win the World Cup. They feel like they have a favorable draw. They feel like they can progress further than they did in 2019, which was the quarterfinals. Chile, on the other hand, a team we haven't seen much from. I, I personally haven't watched any of their games in the build-up, so I'm not really sure what to expect from them. I would go for a Japan win in this game, probably by a good 20 points. Very hard to base it off, but I, I think that would be my prediction. What are you thinking for this one, Belinda? Yeah, I agree. And Japan is also one of those teams like... I love them. I think I fell in love with them during 2019. They kind of became my, my B team, but they aren't the same. They don't seem to be the same team that they were in that World Cup. I mean, they pulled off so many fantastic upsets in that World Cup. And obviously they had home advantage, which helps, but, but it was more than that. They don't seem to be playing as kind of cohesively as they did then, but I still think they can definitely take the win against Chile. I mean, this is Chile's first World Cup. So this is like their first experience of that really like big arena, like 
that requirement for BMT. And, and, and we don't know whether they can deliver that or not. Maybe they'll surprise us all. But for now, I'm definitely back in Japan. And I'm going to say Japan, but I suck at the margins. Japan by like 15. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like you're saying this. And then on, on Sunday, I'm going to get a screen grab of Superbrew with you beating me on the log. <laughs> no, go look at my Superbrew. The margins, I always get the, the win point, but not the margin point. Margin point. <laughs> Ronald, what are you thinking for this one? Yeah, there's not much more to say that you guys haven't said. Japan have been disappointing in this last World Cup cycle, absolutely. Mm. You know, 2015, there was a certain win against a certain team that we won't mention. <laughs> um, and they were great then. It wasn't the Bulls versus Griffins. It wasn't the Bulls versus Griffins. Let's talk about Bulls versus Griffins. <laughs> Let's bury that, which, one, which I am talking of. Uh, 2019, absolutely, home ground advantage, a fantastic team. And, and, you know, they grew on what they did in 2015. But this last World Cup cycle has been pretty disappointing, in my opinion. You know, you would have expected them to climb a bit more. But what can you expect? It is a long journey, right? So they are going to come back strong, I'm sure, into the World Cup. And Chile is a nice, nice team to, to open up the competition with. And, they, you know, they'll, they'll lubricate some of their gears and stuff and, 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 and be a well-oiled machine, I'm sure. But... Yeah, look, they'll take it comfortably, I'm sure. And it's, you know, Belinda said 15, you said 20. Now I'm confident it'll probably be close to 30. So, yeah, I think that's what we can expect from the Japanese. Yeah, just a heads up, guys. We could completely be blowing this so that we win Super Brew and the others in our pool are not doing so <laughs> This is all a ruse. We're just hustling you guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of Superbrew, though, our pool is up to two and a half thousand participants, guys. So thank you to everyone that is joining. Yeah, not too late to join. The pool code is SMOGDEAL. It's plastered all over the socials. But yeah, we really appreciate you guys joining. And we're now officially the second biggest unpaid pool on Superbrew. So thank you to everyone that has been joining in there. Guys, the box versus Scotland game is next. But I think let's leave that one for last. And let's take a look quickly at Wales versus Fiji. Belinda, what are you thinking for this one? I'm backing Fiji for this one. I, I'm going to say, not to like continue to hammer poor England, but other than the Springboks beating the All Blacks so beautifully, comprehensively, that Fiji defeat of England was, it was like the most joyous rugby moment I've had all year. <laughs> so <laughs> that, and, and they're playing really well. They're coming into the World Cup on a high. Wales, on the other hand, has been a little bit indifferent, I think. They've been a bit inconsistent. They've also had a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, players withdrawing from the squad and stuff just in the build-up to the World Cup. So I think Fiji can pull it off. I think they can pull. And is it even an upset? I think they're above Wales on the rankings now anyway. Yeah, so absolutely. I don't know if this even constitutes an upset. Fiji is seventh and, and Wales are tenth. But... We know rankings don't mean much. As soon as you bring that up into socials, I mean, people are like, oh, they don't mean anything. You know who rankings don't matter much to, Belinda? Ronnie on Superbrew. I'm always at the top. I'm always at the top. (laughs) But then the rankings don't matter, hey? No, I think you're right. You know, Fiji's win over England was like having the perfect bra on a Saturday a lack of lamb chop and then someone coming out and giving you a magnum ice cream afterwards. It was... (laughs) Perfect. It I was... have to bring that up now. I want to make them ice cream. Right? <laughs> Me too. We can put the England-Fiji highlights. I'm also backing Fiji. I think Fiji will probably get about an eight-point win out of this one. 
I think they they're in form. One out of this one builds some momentum, and they're in a pool that they can top and definitely get through to the quarters. Favorable side of the draw, so I think the Fijians will will mm. be focusing on a big hit out in the first game. Ronnie, yeah, look, you can't really ask us what we think because we've got a special place in our hearts for Cebu, Fiji. So our Fijian <laughs> brothers over there. Um, but but look, realistically, I do think it's Fiji's one. Uh, this is they're going to take this game. I don't think it's going to be a, a big score. I think it's going to be one or two points, maybe three points in it. And look, yeah, Fiji will definitely be targeting this one because you now they've got an opportunity to get out of the pool and into the quarters and potentially onto the semis, right? So they're definitely going to be putting all their eggs in this basket here. Against Wales, they can do it because, like Melinda says, they are on a high and Wales is on a low. And that that could be the difference here. Yeah, I think they're already starting to reap the benefits of their inclusion in the Super Rugby Pacifica as well. Mm, I think definitely. club competition has given them some good some good um, go forward, go forward, heading into the competition and into their squad. So yeah, everyone back in Fiji, and as Ronnie says, massive shout out to the guys from Fiji. We know we have a big following that side, so we always appreciate you guys tuning in. And please, we still want more pictures of what's going on there, guys. Yeah. The last ones we received was epic. So please, please do send those in. It really it brings us great joy to see what you guys are up to there. Yeah, so that's definitely going to be a big one for Wales and Fiji. You know, Gatland would have been hoping to to get something underway for his World Cup campaign, but I just don't think it's going to go his way. Then, guys, onto the game we all want to talk about. That's the Springboks versus Scotland, 5.45 on Sunday, 10 September. It's going to be a massive game. It's going to be an incredible game. And honestly, I simply cannot wait to watch it. Belinda, what are your initial feelings for this one? And you are going to be at this game. I am going to be at this game. To say I am excited would be the understatement of the century. Please understand that I booked this flipping trip in April 2021. So I've been like counting down for over two years. And it's finally here. But at the same time, and you know this, Nick, I am super anxious about Scotland. Like I literally have anxiety dreams about this game because they could make it all go horribly wrong for us and can't bear the thought. But it's not going to happen. I think the team and Rassi and Jacques are taking it equally seriously. They recognize the potential for upset. And so they're going to try and avoid that, hopefully. I think if we can play like we played at Twickenham, the Scots don't stand a chance against us. Like, honestly, no matter how well they play. And they, and they can play exceptionally well sometimes. We just have to come out like straight away playing as well as we know we can. And I think they will. And I'm definitely predicting a South African win as if I would ever predict anything else. Well, Belinda, I'm going to say if we play like we did at Twickenham, you know, we ran a big risk of slipping, I think. Because if we took a 7-1 split and then lost the back, you know, that Scottish team with Finn Russell at 10 could dominate us if we have to put a quacha on the wing or something like that. So let's... Oh, yeah, yeah. When I say play like we did at Twickenham, I don't mean a 7-1. Let us not unleash the atomic bomb squad again. Let's let the world calm down for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, so let's... We can all agree, look, 6-2 split, probably. Potentially even a 5-3 yeah. split against, against the Scots, right? Because I don't think that they can match us in the forwards. But uh, that yeah. backline of theirs, we know with Finn Russell, you know, that they could 
they could pull an upset, right? Because you rightly said mm. it is a banana peel game for us, right? We we need to win this game and not just for for the chances in the pool. We actually need to top the pool so that I could potentially watch us in the semi-final. <laughs> that's that's where that's because I've got tickets to that semi-final. So we need to top. But yeah, look, I think that's South important. Africa, South Africa's target this game now for two weeks. So the moment we beat the All Blacks, all focus shifted to the Scots. I think that they're going to take it very seriously. This is probably our biggest game for a long time, and, and you know, probably even bigger than. The match against Ireland, I think, you know? Yeah, I think Rossi and Jacques have been very vocal about the importance of this game. You know, they've, they've harped on about it. And in all honesty, you need to beat Scotland so that you have some mm. breathing room for the Ireland game. You need a good victory here, good points. And, you know, like Ronnie says, and I want to reiterate it, this Scottish backline, toe-to-toe, player-for-player, are quality with us. It really mm. is a backline that can beat us. So I don't think they're forwards have the the same physicality that our side brings to it if they match us up front we're in for a hell of a tough day at office because as you are not helping my anxiety stop it (laughs) when russell releasing huey pilotu that combination of them in the centers is is very dangerous and then you've got potentially two south africans on the wing and duhan van der merva yeah this might might see four south africans on the field at wing (laughs) so it's 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 a definite tough contest. I am predicting a Springbok win. I think the boys have been focusing on this. I think I mentioned it on the mm-hmm. podcast last week. You know, I 100% believe Russie's been walking those corridors in a kilt and trying to play the bagpipes, really pissing Eobin off, waking <laughs> him up in the morning, really pissing the boys off, making them hate the Scottish a little bit, you know, getting that anger and frustration up. So I wouldn't put that past old Russie. You know, no, but I also time- think he just needs to put all those headlines up from last week's newspapers about the bomb squad and us abusing the bench and all of that. That's some lovely motivation. So thanks to the world's media for that. They That really played straight into our hands. It's fantastic. Which It was all perfectly legal, right? So we're going to take a moment here just to say, it was all perfectly legal. So can the people just 100%. shut the hell up, right? Yeah. It's not us uh, <laughs> putting one uh, seven backs on the bench, you know, and one, one designated forward. No, you can do something ridiculous no. like that. We just put seven quality because we all know forwards are the best rugby players. So, right, you put seven of your best players on the bench. Well, and you're completely impartial players. Exactly. <laughs> saying the forwards are the best players, you know, the front rowers are the only ones that are compulsory to be there on the bench. So, they must be the, the top tier. Also, what you're saying is they're compulsory on the bench because those that start can't finish. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> no, you know. Well, you know what I have to say to the people who are saying that we're ruining rugby and our rugby is so boring. They hate watching us. Change the channel, babe, because we're not changing anything. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with that more. Hey? I definitely couldn't. You know, at the time of recording, we're sitting here, the box haven't named their side yet. Traditionally, they do it on a Tuesday, but with the game being on Sunday, they're probably going to release it on the same day that we release this episode. So I thought instead of discussing the starting side like we normally do, we could have a little bit of a chat about some of the selection headaches facing Russ Narba. And then obviously the listeners will hear that and, and know whether or not these predictions were right. So I'm going to start with one that I thought I was certain of before the rugby championship. Now I'm not sure. And that's Jasper Visa and Dwayne Vermeulen. Who is starting at eight, Belinda? 
I'm going to say Dwayne because I think they're going to pick an experienced, settled team for this game just because we do need to win it, as, as we've been speaking about. So I really think they're going to go for the guys that they know can keep a, a calm head in the big moments, the guys who've got experience at the World Cup and that, you know, they know can bring it when they need to. Not that Jasper can't, obviously he can, but Dwayne is just the more experienced player. So I would say it's probably going to be Dwayne. Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely a, a must win for us, right? So we don't want to slip up right in the first opening fixture. And for that reason, you got to take Dwayne. Exactly. Not to say that Jasper can't. Uh, Jasper's very, very good. And, and he's probably mm. a better general rugby player at the moment than Dwayne is. I'm saying that because youthful exuberance over experience, mm. right? So Jasper's nice and young and uh, he's very physical. And so is, so is Dwayne, but Dwayne's a, a little bit a little bit aged at this point, unfortunately, for rugby players. But he's still very good, and I think he's he's going to be he's going to be pivotal just to keep the team calm. But look, it's going to be probably be six boards on the bench. So you know, Jasper could still find his way into the game in the last twenty or thirty minutes. Yeah. Absolutely. Then another another position that probably raises the most uh, arguments on social media in the Springbok team. Is Bongi and Bonambi or Malcolm Marks? Who's starting at hooker there? Marks being favoured in a couple of the more recent games. Bongi being a long-time favourite in the jersey. You know, we've spoken many times about how it doesn't actually matter which one starts and which one comes off the bench. But in this game against Scotland, who are you going for to start there, Ronnie? Yeah, so I think uh, Malcolm Marks is very important to start against teams like New Zealand and, and, and the likes. You know, he gets his hands on the ball. He wins turnovers. He's very physical. But Bongi just goes back to what we what we know best, and that's to to f them up physically. Are we have we got an explicit rating on Spotify? Can I say the word? I'm not sure. So, so <laughs> I was we allowed to swear again. <laughs> so so Bongi's Bongi's got a he's got a goal. He goes on for 55, 60 minutes, and he's just physical, and he hurts you. And just when you are so relieved to see the back of Bongi. That's when you see Malcolm Mark running onto the field. So I think it's. Uh, I think we'll go back to what we know best, and that's to start with Bongi. Belinda, who are you backing for a start there? Sure, that, that is a tough one because honestly, either way, the opposition is screwed. I mean, you get. Are we swearing? Or are we not swearing? You get stuff up by, <laughs> by Malcolm for forty-five minutes, and then, and then you look up and on comes Bongi, or the other way around, like. Either way, you're so screwed. Like, it doesn't matter. And that's the truth of our whole front row. Like, how terrifying. But I don't know. It seems as if Malcolm has been more in favor recently, which is a flip from the way it's been in the past. So, I don't know. I'm going to say Malcolm, but it really could go either way. I actually don't know. Yeah, I'm going to go for Malcolm as well. Malcolm in the middle. He's going to lead the pack out on this <laughs> one. And I think he's going to prove quite crucial in slowing down that ball and making sure Finn Russell gets very, very messy ball especially in the early exchanges of the fixture as we try to subdue them with our physicality. Another big one, which has come since the All Blacks test, is the number 12 jersey. Damien Dialende mm. being a regular in every sense of the word since 2018. We've now had some very impressive performances from Big Andre at centre. Who are you guys backing to start at 12? Um, sure. That's another difficult one. See, as a Sharks girl, been a long-standing Andre fan and he's been phenomenal like he's really put his hand up 
but I think they may again go with the experience. I might be very wrong on this one. I'm willing to own that. Ronald, as long as you own it, Belinda, but yeah, I'm probably <laughs> going to go for Andre Essays in here, right? So look, he deserves a chance, right? Not only does he deserve, he's been playing really well. He played really well in the previous fixtures. Look, if it was, when we talk about combinations, you talk about Damien Delende, Lucanio, but Lucanio Arm's not there, right? So we have to build new combinations, perhaps, and get some of our guys well-oiled again. For that, I'm probably going to lean over to Andre Esterhazen. But yeah, this is a toss-up, right? And then we go back to the fact that picking this uh, starting Springbok team is probably the hardest thing to do at this stage mm. because we've got quality players all across the board. Our first and second choice, you know, we don't have first and second choice. We've got first and first. Which first do you choose? Exactly. Uh, you know, you've got spoiled players. for choice. You make it, you're for choice, right? It's incredibly difficult being a selector now. So Andre Esther is in this case, but really it's a toss of coin. You know, for me, it's funny, I think, and it's quite a catch-22 because I find that Marnie and Andre play better together and I've often mm. compared them to Andre and Marcus Smith. They combine quite well. They run quite well. They seem to read each other well. And whereas Damien Dialenda, I feel, combines better with a player like Andre Pollard. The reverse of that and the catch-22 part of that is that if you've got Andre Esterhazen there, you've got less experience than Damien Dialenda because... Now you've got Marnie, who's in his first World Cup. Mm. Does Damien Dialenda get favoured because he's got the experience? And you yeah. know that's a difficult position for, for Andre to find himself in. I would love to see Andre Esterhazen get the start, but I think experience is needed to shut down that 10-12-13 combo of the Scottish, and I think Damien's going to mm. get the, the favour there in the 12 jersey. Sure. Guys, I think it's time that we hear a little bit about your trip to France, Belinda. So you're leaving Thursday. Thursday, gosh, yes. Only two more sleeps. Can you send me the dimensions for that bag? I just need to make sure I'm going to fit. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I'm buying Qatar Airs, so I do get two bags. I'm sure I could squeeze you guys in. There we go, Ronnie. We're, we're heading to fly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's the dimensions that's the problem. It's probably the weight limit. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've got to go off to France, Ronnie. We've got to invite there. So, Belinda, you're flying by Doha straight to where in France? Yes. To Paris, but then straight on to Marseille for that game on Sunday. So I'm going to that game and then doing a little bit of traveling around within France and then to Bordeaux for the following weekend, the game against Romania. Bless them as well. And, um, <laughs> and, then, and then to Paris for a week, culminating with the game against Ireland, which is going to be epic beyond epic and then back home after that so it's like so I, two and a bit weeks three games did i count right so it's three games right that you're going to be watching three games yeah and you chose yeah. three south african games right absolutely <laughs> only south african games what a question ronald <laughs> just yeah. no i think that's going to be incredible so for those that don't know yet we actually haven't published it to the channel belinda's going to be doing a little bit of an instagram takeover so you guys will get some snippets of her time in France. I'm very excited to see that, even though it's going to make me unbelievably generous <laughs> to be there. I'm, I'm very excited. So maybe you can just tell us all a bit about booking a trip like this. You know, you booked it through SA Rugby Travel, if I'm correct. Yes. So most of it through SA Rugby Travel. So what happened was, obviously, the French spent all of their money on buying the World Cup hosting and no money on the ticketing websites because what a shit show. 
No one could get tickets on that website. <laughs> it was such a disaster. I think I queued online overall for like eight hours and got no tickets. And it was like when we had just found out that we weren't going to be able to go to the British and Irish Lions games, like there was no fans allowed. We were getting refunded for our tickets, whatever. I was so heartbroken. And I was just like, you know what? I don't even care how much it costs. Whatever. I'm just booking. So I booked with SA Rugby Travel. Really, really great. And initially, I was only going to do Scottish game and the Irish game. And I was going to go visit my family in Ireland, ironically, in between. So I didn't book the Romania game originally. Great experience booking with SA Rugby Travel. Really, very easy and straightforward. Would recommend. And then I decided, actually, I'm a bad daughter. So I'm going to go to the Romania game instead of going to visit my family. (laughs) By which point... (laughs) (laughs) At <laughs> which point, SA Rugby Travel was sold out for that game. So I'm with Edgy Sport for that game. Also really, really great. So I'm going with those two tour operators. And then the days in between where I don't, where there's no like games, I just book my own stuff. So it should be cool. I'm going to be in Toulon for a couple of days as well. So I'll try and like gently stalk the spring box a little bit as well while I'm there. <laughs> Oh, that's a good choice. And they're fine. Just get, try to get into a couple of fan parks too, you know, where, where you can watch together with some of the fans from all yep. around the world. Absolutely. So I definitely want to try and go and watch the England-Argentina game that Saturday night that I'm there in say because that'll be really cool. Obviously, I'll be supporting Argentina. I did think about trying to get tickets, but then I changed my mind. It was just like, it's, it's so difficult to get the tickets, like, from the resale stuff as well. So I was just like, no, I'll just go to a fan park. It should be really cool. Yeah, and I'm sure getting that experience in the fan park for a game like that as well will be pretty cool. It'll be quite yeah. lacquer. I'm correct that this isn't your first World Cup. No, so I went to the one in England, but just to one game. That was when they did the ballot system, which personally I think works better, even though you're not guaranteed tickets. And the only ticket I got was, in- was South Africa-Scotland, funnily enough. So... I was at that game in Newcastle in 2015. It was very cool. So we could say you're a good luck charm whenever you go to the World Cup, England exit in the group stages. Yes, but we didn't win 2015. So let's not focus on that experience. Oh, okay. Also, also <laughs> we're going to win 2023. No, also true. But I think, yeah, I'm very jealous that you're going to be there. Ronnie's going to get to catch some of the playoff games. I think that's also that's quite cool. exciting for him. Our next left in Pretoria, I'm holding down the fort here for you guys. <laughs> Leading the charge from here. So, someone has yes, to. Exactly. Someone has to hold down the fort. Yeah, you guys are going to hear me shouting from here, but I can guarantee that. I honestly <laughs> can't wait to see it get underway. So, is it is it like trains or buses to the game? Do you know how all of that works? Does your tour group get you there? So, for the the games in Marseille and Bordeaux, I think we have like a, like a bus that we're taking, like a shuttle or whatever, from the hotel to the to the stadium. And then in Paris, we're using the metro to get there, which I'm a little bit apprehensive about because I've heard some sketchy stories about getting in and out of that stadium late at night, and it's a late game. It's like a nine o'clock game. But if I can go to Ellis Park on my own, right, early, I can handle any stadium in the world on my own. <laughs> so it should be yeah, I was about to say you've been training for this your whole life. <laughs> right? <laughs> No, well, Belinda, I really hope you have a lack of time on that trip and really looking forward to seeing some some glimpses into it. I'm glad that you're going to share that with all of us. But yeah, should we then just take a quick look, Ronnie? You wanted to tell us about your dear friend, Ronan O'Gara. 
Yeah, absolutely. So a bit of an incident this uh, this past weekend, which I just thought, you know, we, we try to not be too negative on this podcast, but uh, occasionally there's a rugby incident that's just a little bit ridiculous enough. It has to be on here. So for those that haven't heard, you genuinely need to go and check this out on social media. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, for those, so La Rochelle head coach Ronan Agara, you know, he was standing in his designated coaching spot. And uh, I think I, I can't explain this to you. I'm not sure if you've seen the video. And the ball comes is, is kicked out and comes towards him. But, you know, he's not trying to catch the ball. He actually turns away from the ball. Um, and the opposition fly half, Benjamin Udapileta, an Argentinian fly half uh, for Clement, tries to, you know, somehow, you know, retrieve the ball and take a quick line out. He ends up pushing Ronan Agaro, not once, but twice. And um, if I was running a gar, I would be very upset. I would have probably tried to headbutt someone. But uh, yeah. but no, it was just it was a bit of a strange one. And from what I can tell, he hasn't apologized to Ronan because Ronan really did no. nothing wrong. Given Ronan Agora's typical volatility, I was quite impressed that he didn't react because <laughs> if he had, it wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> so, so he handled it well, but I don't think he has had an apology for that. It was a very strange thing. Yeah, that sounds a little bit like my first ever accidental experience with a mosh pit. Oppy Coppy would pull it for my Valentine. Standing in the middle there, next minute everyone went ballistic. Didn't know what was going on. Oh dear. So also big news here around the Yaksuke is Mornay Stain has signed to the Lions as kicking coach. Not only that, Kate Volherter has transferred up to the Lions. On a loan agreement. Just say his surname mm. again. Volhuter. Voliter. All right, Ronald. Right. Is that acceptable? You bloody Englishman. <laughs> no, that's very exciting for the Lions. I mean, Mono Stain's a legend. I really wanted him to go be kicking coach for the Springboks, but it looks like they don't need him. But look, he's going to do wonders at the Lions. And Kate, uh, we know that he's, uh, you know, a diamond in the rough, or he's one of those bright, bright sparks for sure. Our buddy Shane has been raving about him for a while, and Shane is also the one who initially found Damien and in air quotes Damien Delende. Uh we yeah he that's his claim to fame. But yeah look well done <laughs> no it's a, a big win for the Lions and it'll be interesting to see what sort of uh, dividends this pays them in the long run. Guys, this has to be the most competitive World Cup in history. I mean it's it's unreal. There's so many games that could go either way. How do you think we can get better for 2027? been talking about how soon the draw was done and it was done unusually early and during a particularly strange time in the world because no one had been playing any rugby or a lot of people hadn't been playing any rugby so it was it was a strange time to do it i don't think we need to overreact though i don't practically not possible to do the draw six months before the tournament like it's just not because people won't be able to plan their travel and all of that stuff says the woman who booked her trip two and a half years ago. So like you just realistically, like you're not going to do it six months before. I think three years before was insane. Two years to 18 months. Like there's always going to be an issue with the ratings. No one can predict how they're going to change. It just so happened that this time was a complete stuff up, but it could have gone either way, you know? So, I mean, I don't know. I think people just need to calm down a little bit i saw a headline the other day the world cup is already tarnished because of the draw i'm like please can we just like dial it down a notch no that's a little bit excessive you know and i have to agree with you there's really no sweet spot for selecting the draw 
it could have been completely different rankings coming into this World Cup and no one would have been complaining. I mean, you look at, at the previous World Cup where the teams are now, it's, it's a complete change of scale. Yeah. For me, I think the only thing I think can be improved on for the 2027 World Cup, and Ronnie has spoken about it quite a bit on the pod previously, is more game time for the Pacific nations, the smaller nations, mm. getting them mm. exposed, not just game time, but to quality opposition, tier one opposition, getting them ready to be competitive on a stage yeah. like this, so that we don't see an imbalance like Ireland wrote for v Romania again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Look, it, yeah. it comes down to, it's not just that they're playing less, they are playing considerably less games than tier one nations mm. i think they're on 15 or yeah. 16 games now and you know that's ridiculous the, the tier one nations are closer to 40 games it's unbelievable yeah. really there's a big imbalance and for them to play 16 test matches and be able to beat the likes of england which is traditionally a tier one nation maybe not anymore sorry to our yeah. english listeners but for them to be able to pull something off like that you know you actually have to be worried right because if they got more game time who would they who, who, would, who wouldn't they be able to beat? No, absolutely yeah. right there. Well, that's what you won. Absolutely. Exactly. That competitiveness is what makes it great. Guys, then just to end off the episode, quick shout, and I'm pretty sure I know exactly where this is going. I'm going to say, if not the Springboks, who do you want no. to win the World Cup? Who do I want to win or who do I think will win? Okay. Who, who do you think would win if not the Springboks? Probably the All Blacks. Could be France, but probably the All Blacks. Ronald? All Blacks. Yeah, I also think the All Blacks. Okay, so that was simple. <laughs> 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 simple and simple. Go the way you expected it to go. <laughs> so in an ideal world, South Africa All Black final. There we go. There yes. we go. All right. And if not the All Blacks, then who? Anyone but a Northern Hemisphere team. Southern Hemisphere, Australia, Argentina, Fiji. Samoa, 100%. Namibia. I kind of like Argentina to win. Absolutely. If it's not us. Absolutely. Really? Ronnie's, Ronnie's mate, Gus Creevy. Gus Creevy, I'll, I'll have my pride. <laughs> yeah, but thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode, Belinda. I hope you have a lack, a lack of time in France and looking forward to seeing what's coming there. Yeah, let me know. Awesome. Thanks so much. I need, let me know where I need to watch rugby and, uh, and the nearest watering hole in Marseille. I will. And that's a wrap, guys. And girls, if you enjoyed this episode and didn't mind our terrible puns, please do us a solid and smash that like button. Remember, subscribing to our podcast may not make you a better rugby player, but it will make you more knowledgeable around the bry while screaming at the TV. We might not have the biceps of a prop or the speed of a winger, but we've got enough rugby banter to keep you entertained for the entire season. Grab it up, light the bry, and we'll catch you back here next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.